Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Thomas, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Uh, Happy New Year. Hope you had a lovely holiday break and that you are feeling well rested because I'm not going to give you a gentle start to the year, I'm afraid. I am starting the year with a giant bang because my guest this week is actor and content creator Sam Song Lee, whose spark is Damien Chazelle's heart attack of a movie, Whiplash. Uh, this was such a fun conversation. Sam had so much to say about Whiplash, and he's got a really personal connection to its themes, which always makes for a great conversation. He is just a really lovely, thoughtful guy, and you are really going to enjoy listening to this one. And also, Sam is in a new Netflix show called The Brother's Son that is dropping on January 4th, and it's so good! Uh, it is funny and full of action, and it stars this up-and-coming actor named Michelle Yeoh. Um, I see really big things for her in the future. Um, I hope she, you know, gets a foothold in the industry because of this. You know, fingers crossed. Anyway, um, yeah, the show is great. Sam is great in it. And um, it's super fun. And it's a great antidote to any January blues you may be experiencing. So, yeah, uh, with that out of the way... Quick Sam facts. Sam Song Lee is a Los Angeles-based actor and content creator. His acting credits include Better Call Saul, Home Economics, and Never Have I Ever. Sam has amassed a strong presence on social media with over 230,000 followers on Instagram and over 5.5 million likes on TikTok. Um, in case you blacked out when I was talking about it at the top of the show, Sam has a starring role in the terrific new Netflix series, The Brother's Son which drops on January 4th. And if you are listening to this episode on release day, that is tomorrow. Quick Whiplash facts. Whiplash is a psychological drama written and directed by Damien Chazelle, starring Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, Paul Reiser, and Melissa Benoist. 
The film follows the ambitious music student and aspiring jazz drummer Andrew Neiman, played by Miles Teller, who is pushed to his limit by his abusive instructor Terence Fletcher, played by J.K. Simmons, at the fictitious Schaefer Conservatory in New York City. Whiplash premiered in competition at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival as the festival's opening film, and it won the Audience Award and Grand Jury Prize for Drama. The film subsequently received multiple awards and nominations, winning Academy Awards for Best Film Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Supporting Actor for J.K. Simmons. And there you have it. Let's kick off the New Year's celebrations, shall we? Here comes my chat with Samsung Lee about Whiplash. Okay. So again, uh, yeah, just if you can remember being turned on to Whiplash, hearing about it for the first time, any of that stuff. Yeah, I I saw Whiplash really early, like right when it came out. And I think the first time I heard about it was just through the grapevine. But really, um, at the time, I I wanted to be a filmmaker. And I think I I still do. You know, I still have aspirations of wanting to become a filmmaker and, and making my own picture someday. But at the time, uh, a lot of my friends were talking about actually how how this project was sort of greenlit through a short film, through the fact that it was created as a short. And I had thought that that was really fascinating because, you know, when you're um, an up and coming filmmaker and you're just trying to figure out how to even break into the business, like this is like a fairy tale, right? This is the ultimate Hollywood story. You, somebody made a short film got picked up. It's a movie now, you know, and it happened to be a really, really good one. So I think that was sort of the first time that I heard about it. But also, like, I think because it was within like the film school sort of artistry circles, um, there was obviously a lot of themes from the film that that I think all of us who were in film school at the time just really were drawn to. Yeah, that thing about the um, about it coming from a short film, I was reading about this and it's the intensity of the film itself feels like it was kind of mirrored in the production that, you know, initially Damien Chazelle had wanted Miles Teller for the short film as well, and he wasn't available. And then when he was going to make it into a feature, he said he got Miles Teller, but he was only available like six, six eight weeks before Sundance when he, he wanted to enter it into Sundance. So they had 19 days to film it, 18 hour days. Wow. And a month to edit it and get a cut together for Sundance. Wow. That's incredible. So... You know, all of that frenetic, chaotic energy that you can see in the film, it feels like part of it is the script and the story, but also the conditions that it was made under. It's just like very intense. Wow. I didn't know that, actually. That That is really, really fascinating. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's almost like that the culture sort of bled through, right? The themes of the, <laughs> of the story kind of took place with the film, with the filming process as well. Seriously. And, you know, I, I mean, I have to say just from a personal um on a personal note this film is like i mean i know that everybody feels this way but like i left the movie theater the first time i saw this and i felt like i had been hit by a bus it's just like the stress i just cannot cope with it oh and all of this like you know kind of traumatic flashbacks to you know taking acting classes where there are teachers like that who are like, art is pain and unless yeah. you are suffering you're not getting anywhere <laughs> yeah yeah. No, and it's so funny. I, I think I, I was sort of of that group. And, and I don't know if I was like maybe misinterpreted the movie, but I just remembered because I, I saw that film prior to really 
going down the, the acting class uh, rabbit hole, you know? And so when I was auditing acting classes, I was like, I'm going to look for that class that made me feel the way I did in, in, in Whiplash. <laughs> so I was looking for that one that drove me insane. And actually, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I did because I feel like a class like that at least really challenges you. And I think a place where you're so uncomfortable and being challenged is a place that you could grow immensely from. And so I do think it's such a nuanced conversation between what is too much, right? Like how much is 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 too much discipline? And I don't know. It's, it's an interesting conversation. I think that's what the film really projects in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's so difficult because it's so subjective. It's so individual. And you can have a class full of people who, you know, if we're talking about uh, music, like I don't, I don't have any experience being in a jazz band, <laughs> right? But um, if you have that philosophy that people really need to just be ground down and like beaten into submission, and the only way to be great is to just have no positive reinforcement, only be told you are shit always, <laughs> yeah. And being in a situation where it's, you know, like a conservatory that's the best school in the country and people are, you know, desperate to get in and how you deal with it when the best opportunity is in that kind of, I mean, and it's a, it's an extreme version of this where it's like a really abusive atmosphere. Yeah. But that it takes a certain kind of personality, first of all, to subscribe to that philosophy enough so that they're going to teach it, but also to respond to it and to feel like that is what you need to succeed. So it's, it's really interesting um, thinking about how, you know, different different philosophies of um, art production can lead to similar wonderful results and that it really is this individual thing. I, I think, too, is the, the, the formula, right? The, the sort of um, conditions that has to be met for someone to really fall into that kind of abusive relationship. Because you observe like what Miles Teller's character is going through, all of the problems in his life, all of the things that are happening outside of his artistry. It's brutal. And the, one of the scenes that actually resonated with me the most, one, the reason why I felt like I connected so much to it was um, that great, great, it was such a phenomenal scene at the dinner table. I think it was around like Thanksgiving dinner or something, right? And and they're, you know, talking to um, dad's friend about being a quarterback, you know, high school or college, playing college football and all this stuff and, 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 and the way that he lashes out. And, and the way that I guess the world kind of sees what he wants, right? And I think um, for someone to feel so outcasted by by their own family, by by really, you know, if you think about that, like your closest people out have outcasted you. So I feel like that's when those conditions are met for you to go into that really toxic, really abusive, manipulative relationship. And the reason why, you know, we uh, condone cult-like behavior for the sake of um, for the sake of an external family. And I think that was not talked about enough as well as what allowed it to happen. And I think how hostile a certain career can be, right? Especially in the arts, when if you think about it in terms of the mon monopolization of it, it's, it's so hostile in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I think anytime that people can take advantage of, of those emotions and feelings, I think people do. <laughs> right. But also that kind of, um, you know, stereotype of artists like having to kind of come out to their parents and say, I want to be an actor. And the parents being like, oh, my God, <laughs> no, you're going to be a doctor. You have to be successful. Um, and that thing at the dinner table yes. where it's like the definition of success from everybody else is like people who, you know, play sports in high school. But then it's about, you know, 
getting a real job. It's about something that feels like there's potential to, you know, there's a career track or it's something that people have respect for. And I guess maybe that that bleeds into the sports stuff as well, that it's like that's something that people can really work hard at and achieve. But artistry is seen as not necessarily a dead end, but like something that, you know, it's very unlikely you're going to succeed. And, you know, we don't we don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So having that kind of uphill battle as an artist, feeling like, you know, you have some, you have to prove something, not just to yourself, not just to the people who are teaching you, but to your friends and family who think that, you know, you're an idiot for pursuing that. There's so much pressure, actually, you know, mm. when you, when you really want to pursue something like that, I think there's a lot of external pressure that actually really doesn't get talked about. You know, it is sort of um, one of those careers where if something's not happening four or five years down the line, you know, every I personally experienced this myself, you know, in my own life where those those Thanksgiving dinners can can get really awkward. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, in addition to that, like having that as a foundation where you're trying to pursue something that's very stressful, that's very competitive, not necessarily having the full support of the people around you and then going into this environment that's so high pressure, so high stress and kind of figuring out whether you uh, that is an environment in which you can flourish. Yeah. And the thing that's tricky as well is it's not just about having different philosophies, you know, like being a method actor or not, or, you know, a specific, you know, Stanislavski or Meisner or whatever, that it's also about the specific conditions and whether you're going to be able to survive, uh, to thrive in that academic environment doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how you're going to perform in the real world professionally. No. No, not at all. So yeah, all of that stuff just adds all these layers of complication um, into that story. There's a there's a great piece by um, Alison Brie. Mm. Um, so Alison Brie, I think, um, went to went to Juilliard, and she shared her story of of her of her Juilliard experience, and it was um, shockingly similar from what I read to Whiplash, right to this. <laughs> To this fictional school where um, she was basically told how bad she was and and how and how much of a failure she felt and all of the pressures and and she felt like she did terrible in school and left her confidence completely destroyed by the time that she graduated. But she was lucky enough to have gotten cast in Community because I think she has a lot to offer to the world. You know, she has a bubbly personality and and a really vibrant charm to her that. The industry doesn't really care about, or sorry, the industry loves, but the um, that the craft, you know, doesn't necessarily care about in the sense that, you know, maybe it, it doesn't add anything to the value of art, right? To artistic in, um, interpretation or impression, but but the industry really does care about and really love. And now, you know, when you when she, when she went back to Juilliard, her her uh, famous alumni uh, posters are are everywhere, and she she is basically being marketed by the school as like, hey, Alison Brie went here, and she just thought it was so ironic how she had such a miserable time <laughs> at, at a place like Juilliard that was, you know, in a lot of ways, is a reflection of um of the this fictional school that isn't whiplash, but also the way that, uh, you know, and not everything is how it seems. And, and, and the same school that'll just completely destroy your confidence as a, as an artist is also the one that will take credit for, for bringing you into the world. Right. <laughs> right. And, and that's it as well, that it's like, it, it has to be this kind of perfect storm of the right kind of student who responds to that extreme pressure, the right kind of teacher who can apply the 
exact right kind of extreme pressure that's not going to push people too far or make them drop out or, you know, have a nervous breakdown or whatever. And mm -hmm. you know, the people in their class, the environment that the classes are taught in, all of those different things. But to have people who have been abusive or have you, you feel like they really haven't helped you and you've done everything by yourself and then they're like, well, it's all down to us that she's a success. And <laughs> exactly. Um, it feels like that, you know, the very last frame of um, Whiplash when J.K. Simmons's character is just the most sadistic, yeah. just like really gets off on treating people terribly. And it also feels like he it, it has this kind of comp competition going with his students that he himself is a jazz musician. He wants to be the one who's successful, but he wants to be able to latch on to his student's success if he can't be successful. And he's like got this back and forth with Miles Teller. And at the very end, he's got this look on his face. It's like, yes, I did it. <laughs> and, you know, just wanting to kind of take credit. Yeah. Like I finally made him who he needs to be. So yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's it's almost comical. It's almost comical in in, in in a lot of ways. But the and and the thing is, I feel like I've I've seen that in real life. That's the craziest thing I've witnessed that in person. You know, so it's not it's not too far off from some of the um, some of the people working in the industry. <laughs> mm, right, right. <laughs> Time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And I guess that the you know there there are some criticisms of this movie, and the one that I kind of uh, I don't I don't necessarily think it uh, makes that much of a difference to the, to the film. But one of the things that I think was missing from that relationship and from the way that uh, everybody relates to music is joy and this idea that creating art needs to be so serious that nobody's having a good time, nobody is actually like saying this is what i'm passionate about i'm so happy mm. to be here everyone's just miserable all the time mm. um and again you know this is an individual experience it's subjective all that kind of stuff some people might respond very well to that but to me if you're saying i want to dedicate my life to jazz this is the thing that i really really love and then you're going in into this environment where they just make the whole experience of producing jazz of learning about it torture it's <laughs> yeah. it's incredible but i guess there are people who actually do respond well to those kinds of environments or else they wouldn't get away with continuing to do it yeah well i i thought it was interesting um from from particularly from my perspective because you know i i, I grew up with what i 
would consider is a tiger parent. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the, a tiger, the mm-hmm. term like tiger moms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are, uh, the, the, the nature of how they handle discipline is, is that of uh, very much of a, a complete lack of positive reinforcement. They don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I don't know. It just, it, I guess it speaks to the, the teaching styles as well of, of people. And, and I, I, I just thought it was really interesting how, how much it, it resonated with me in the sense that I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I guess that would be good for someone to learn. Like, I, I remember, like, again, you know, when I walked out of that movie and I was looking at, like, acting classes a year down the line, I was like, man, I really want to find a place that will challenge me like that so that I can expedite and maximize my acting experience. You know, if I'm going to pay four or $500 a month for an acting class, I might as well make sure, you know, I, I'm growing as fast and as hard as I can because um, it's expensive. And and so I don't know, it's it's, it's kind of weird how, how much it spoke to me. Maybe it is for my upbringing and maybe I'm just used to that. Um, and so there there are some interesting, I think, cultural points to, to, to bring up as well. And it's a nuance. I don't know. I, it just it just worked for me. I, I just felt like it made it made it, obviously there are there are things that crosses the line, right? <laughs> there are clear things that cross the line. But I just remembered when I did choose that acting class, I I was like, wow, I they are not hiding anything from anyone in this class. They're being <laughs> so brutally honest hmm. that it's like that is brutal. That is actually brutal that you are saying that. But I I, I do feel like there are now conversations. That is changing that. There's a great, there's a great uh, bit. I don't know. Do you watch uh, Barry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you all caught up with with uh, with the whole season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a great bit. <laughs> One of the, I think the final seasons where um, Sally Reed's character is teaching the acting class or something like that, and and she is using like her method to get something from a student. She was like, "That was phenomenal. That was so great." And then the rest of the class was like. That was awful. What did yeah. you just do to her? Yeah. <laughs> like, and so maybe, maybe I'm, I kind of was from a different generation of how people were taught about about artistry, and and the conversations shifted now. But I, I do feel like that piece was interesting because it is sort of um, a, a conversation on how people are changing. Like, whoa, to these young people, that's crazy. But to Sally, who was getting into it, to witness that was like amazing right it was like wow it was so transformative i don't know <laughs> yeah i i just i wonder how much of it i i guess the makeup of the student body has something to do with it but also just like if you have this prestigious institution you have a class that's really difficult to get into and people are so concerned about you know being the best having an amazing career all those things especially in the arts M- my experience and i mean i'm you know old um, but when, you know, when I was studying situations like that, where somebody was just being abused in front of a class, nobody felt like they had the power to stand up or nobody wanted to put themselves on the line to stand up for somebody else because it's like, you know, I need to protect myself. I want to make sure that I can succeed. Yes. And pointing out that this is terrible behavior might put me in the line of fire and I don't want to do that. Yeah. But I don't know. I, you know, maybe, uh. It is uh, a healthier environment if students feel empowered to kind of say, hold on, you are being so mean. Why are you being so mean? But again, it is it is all subjective and it's like down to what you believe is the thing, the, the amount of um, 
pressure that you need to get to where you're going to go and going, you know, again, talking about like different acting philosophies. I don't care what anybody does. I don't care how anybody, what, what the techniques that people need to get to where they need to be to give an amazing performance as long as they're not subjecting other people to it and being terrible to other people. Mm, yes. And I think that's the thing that really crosses the line for me is it's like if you're making people cry, if you're ma- you know making people uh, like have lifelong depression, you know, the, the thing in Whiplash where this he drove this guy to such a terrible state and really just affected his mental health so much that he eventually kills himself, um, which is an extreme example. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of stuff where it is a, it's a precarious uh, situation. You don't want to, y- you have to find a balance between, you know, really putting pressure on people in a way that gets the best out of them and helps them and lifts them up so that they can do their best work and something that does the opposite and just tears them to shreds and affects their self-confidence. And with someone like Alison Brie, she very easily could have just said, I guess I'm done. Like, this is not for me if this is what acting is going to be like. Yeah, yeah. So it's tough. Yeah, it, it, is, a, it is a very fine line to, to, to balance. I mean, you know, I... I I, I do believe in in the fact that you know diamonds are made from pressure, right? So wow, pressure makes makes those diamonds, and and but at the same time, it's like at what point is too much pressure that you just completely crack and destroy someone's hopes and dreams? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think the skill as a teacher is being able to distinguish between those two things and being able to say like I'm going to be a hard ass. I'm not going to take it easy on these people because I want to be honest and I want to let people know what they're doing wrong and push them to do you know to to be the best they can be Mm, but also as a student too you know right i think as a student you have to you have to know what your limits are because i think i think you know with like miles teller's character what he did wrong so to speak was he just didn't know his limits you know i think he liked that sort of pressure but he felt like he couldn't succeed with at all without that kind of pressure. And I think he became obsessed with that kind of pressure because he felt like that made him better. And it's it's dangerous. You know, it's dangerous when you start to really think about it like that. Right. And sacrificing every other element of his life, you know, telling his girlfriend that he wants to break up with her because she's a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Kind of looking at his dad like you are weak because you're so kind. Wow. And being willing to sacrifice his health, you know, like that thing with the car accident where he's just so like, you know, tunnel vision, so focused on this goal and succeeding that he's not even taking care of his own health or, you know, being aware of his own surroundings. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it brings up good points of um maybe trying to justify those things for for yourself right the way we justify these things for ourselves i I think at a certain point he was doing all that to just make himself feel like he was doing the right thing to make himself feel better like obviously you know he prioritized his career and his artistry above all else but i think he went out of his way to make it obvious almost um to to break up with his girlfriend to tell his dad those things right in in a very selfish way to just make himself feel more important mm-hmm. and I, I feel like in real life you know um or if he were to do it differently again in a healthier way to say hey that's still all important to me but you know you life is more than just these drums right life is this is everything else as well yeah and you know i've, I've seen uh lots of reviews that describe this movie as a horror movie Mm. and say that it's like a a horror movie about making art and the way that it's shot 
the kind of colors, like everything's very dark. There's lots of like narrow hallways that just feel claustrophobic. Mm, yeah. And the pacing that's just so manic and it's so like, you know. So manic. The tension just like never drops the whole time. Yeah. And that's what that kind of compulsive like behavior it feels like to me that it's like you you never relax your body is always so focused on this one goal that you just you can't let other parts of your life exist and you know i think there does have to be a little bit of a balance to to you know feel good about yourself and especially when your artistic practice is all about torture or people being mean to you or whatever and you don't have a break from that it's got to be really uh tough on your psyche it has to be but i think at a certain point you get addicted to it mm -hmm. you feel like if you don't get it then you're not making progress and i think the more he the further the stakes got the, i feel like the more he's like ah yes this is the grand story of how i became the best musician i could be and I think he was really trying to create a false sense of um grand epicness to 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 the way he he was he was getting there you know mm -hmm. yeah and just not being able to you know when i think about uh, artists it it is there is some competitive edge like you know you you if you're trying to get a place in a jazz orchestra you don't want to like help people who are your direct competitors too much because you don't want to you know uh you want the that one slot but the fact that, you know, it felt like there's a little bit more camaraderie with other people in the orchestra. They're kind of able to joke around and whatever. And he's just completely outside of it. He just doesn't have personal relationships whatsoever with anybody but his dad. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I say don't do it that way. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, I think... That is a lovely note to finish on. We we have found uh, the solution. <laughs> Be at least a little kind to yourself and to other people. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, this has been wonderful. Such a such a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for making time for me. Yeah. Yeah. Very unique experience. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate chatting with you. And this has been this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, thanks again. Cool. All right, Adam. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. So good, right? Thanks again to Sam for talking with me. You can catch him in Big Brother's Son on Netflix starting on January 4th, and you really should because it's great. Okay, quick spark of the week from me. I am slowly making my way through all of the Oscar contenders, and I finally watched Anatomy of a Fall, and it is so fucking good. So fucking good. Uh, the basic premise is that a man is killed when he falls from the top floor of the French chalet he shares with his wife and son. Um, and then the wife becomes a suspect and the rest of the film is about the investigation into her husband's death. The acting in this film? Jesus fucking Christ. I, uh, I just, it makes me so fucking jealous as an actor. Like it makes me go, I, like, I, I don't know how people, it, it's, it's incredible. Like, especially Sandra Huller, who plays the woman who's the focus of the whole film. She is so natural and engaging and it just, it makes me a little bit crazy, actually. Um, so yeah, watch that if you like good acting. Uh, I am sure that I will have more Oscar bait recommendations in the coming weeks. So keep your ears peeled. Is that a thing? Uh, if not, let's make it a thing. And uh, that's about it for this week. Please follow me on social media at Spark Parade. 
please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts because it really helps me out and you want to help me out, don't you? And until next time, bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.